general nerdery. So this is the first time we've done. I'm just apparently leaping straight into conversation here. Hi guys, general nerdery. Uh, <laughs> this is the first time we've done like a real part two of this. So we listened to part one, like or at least I did. Uh, I did too before recording. Hi Yui, uh, and it turns out like 40 episodes later, those episodes are kind of painful for me to listen to. Yeah, it was weird. There was some stuff I liked. Anyways, this is General Nerdery, a podcast about liking things where you're generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And as you and are, I'm Yui. And Yui. Uh, and as you already heard, Yui's here with us. They've joined us enough times that in a, in a completely unrelated thing, I recently determined Yui's a lieutenant commander. So uh, I'm just... Works for me. It just, yep, they're now lieutenant commander Yui. Yay. <laughs> Uh, we should actually point out that they are not here with us. Yes. They are over the phone. So if it sounds tweaky, it's because we cannot see them. It's true. I moved to Portland, and so I no longer live in Montana anymore, and I miss you guys very much. Oh, we miss <laughs> you too. Especially, you're, you've been on here more than anyone else yeah. so far. Well, and they're... they're bedroom was my craft it has become my craft room again and anytime i'm sitting there i'm like am i allowed to be in here like <laughs> is this weird like this feels strange actually when we first started setting up the recording in here this used to be my roommate's room so it like i'm intruding oh yeah the first like 10 <laughs> episodes of fried squirms felt super weird in here anyway uh what are we doing what are where are we at what are we <laughs> this is, is this is how this a podcast is- this That's is how right. this entire setup has been going. Uh, what have we been ingesting? <laughs> what have we been ingesting? Okay, mine's super simple because okay. we recorded two, two days, days ago. And in between, Danny's computer crapped out. So what I've been ingesting is editing the last two episodes of the shows. Okay, nothing. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much nothing. nothing. Um, I did, uh, in between, I played some Pokemon Go and got my, uh, got my shiny Giratina. Ooh. Yeah. I finally got a shiny Charmander thanks to Community Day. But oh, I yeah, mean, I did too, finally. Too. Got those. Um, that's that's it, though. Pokemon Go and listening to myself talk for hours. <laughs> oh, God, you got to be sick of that at this oh, point. Oh, it's been like the worst weekend. Yui, <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? Um, I have been watching through Adventure Time for myself. It's like at least like the 11th time, uh, like but for my partner... Least. Yeah, but for my partner, it's their, his first time watching through it, and it's been really fun to rewatch it, like, not, like, having him know anything about it, even though, like, I am definitely watching it for that finale episode, because I want to feel so many feelings. Uh, I got home the day that came out, and you were just sitting there, like, bawling at your computer. It scared the hell out of me at first. I'm not yeah, because that show is important and wonderful. Um, so yeah, mostly a lot of that. I've also, been, I finally fit, watched, uh, season two of Umbrella Academy and it was, they definitely had to go in crazy directions with how they deviated from the comics, okay. but it's neat to see the expansions of the storylines that they did pick out. I don't know. Neat. I liked it. I still need to get caught up on Umbrella Academy. I started the first season, got about halfway through, super liked it, but Doom Patrol was dropping at the same time. And you mm-hmm. were super into Doom and Patrol. And Doom Patrol just really does it for me. Plus, I mean, Gerard's worked on both. That's mm-hmm. true. He did do a Doom Patrol book. 
Um, and actually, in the latest season of Doom Patrol, they started working some more of his ideas. But, oh, that's cool. Yeah. He's pretty mm-hmm. hot right now. Or always, because he's the Michael uh, romance guy. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, uh, fucking 2020. Did that like, entire tour get canceled? Yes. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing. Uh, that meme that I posted the other day was real. Like... Every day I wake up and realize I could have seen My Chemical Romance live in concert this year. And then just crying. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry. This week, like, it was actually before we recorded the last episode, but I had too much stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, Cece and I finally watched the second season of Star Trek Discovery. Oh. And it is so goddamn good. And I will never understand other than the obvious answer of... Uh, sexism and racism, why people dislike that show so much. Uh, didn't the third season also just start? Third season dropped Thursday or Friday, okay. like the first episode of it, because it's a weekly mm-hmm. still. And I've been ha- listening to the radio at work, and I heard an actual honest-to-God like advertisement for it on the radio. It was a weird thing. I always thought that was weird, like advertising for TV on the radio. Mm-hmm. It just seems strange to me but it's real good this third season i'm real excited for because the the one critique i've had of this show so far has been that it's been a prequel and i'm not a mm. as a rule i'm not a huge fan of prequels mm-hmm. uh, especially with something like star trek where i want them going forward although the guy who played spock in season two was just tops so i'm happy i got to see that but uh in the third season they've been launched like 900 years in the future. So this is, they're now like 800 years after like Captain Picard and all of that. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, And I believe the latest that Star Trek was ever shown was another like 300 years ahead of Picard where they've become like they're, uh, the Federation is exploring time instead of space. Mm. So this is farther ahead than anything Star Trek has ever done by like almost a thousand years. So so when you're done exploring space and you're done exploring time. It looks like the Federation has collapsed, so we'll see um, what's going on. It I got hardcore Andromeda vibes, to be honest with you. Okay. But a whole lot of Star Trek Discovery has, at least in the second season, has been like, let's change the future. So this might be a let now we've like we changed the future and now let's change the past. Oh shit, okay. It sounds weird. It makes sense if you watch it. I really do recommend it. Cannot recommend it high enough. Now that I'm subscribed to whatever it is that I can use to watch it because I needed to to be able to watch Lower Decks, I just might. Oh, yeah. The formerly known as CBS All Access? Yeah. Yeah, that thing. Or I might just rewatch all Lower Decks. Oh, I mean, do that too. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, God. Are, are we already already done with Injustice? It's news time, I think. It's news time? Yep. We talked about trying to go faster, man. We're going to go faster. We're going to go. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I guess I'm ready for this. Um, after the uh, Mulan experiment, we now find out that Disney is releasing the next, releasing the next Pixar movie straight to Disney+. Plus. Soul will be available at non-premiere pricing on Christmas Day. So it'll just go straight to Disney Plus? Straight to the Plus. Okay. Um, I have no problem with going straight to streaming. 
the extra 30 bucks was a little galling. Right. I, I get why they were trying it. They were trying to make up for, you know, like movie theater sales, but nah, you're already making mad money. It was yeah, corporate greed. It was, yeah, it was icky, but understandable, I think, in yeah. at least trying to figure out how the fuck they're going to go forward with things the way they are. Uh, especially because as things go forward, we're finding out and this could affect things on a big way on how we all ingest media. Uh, AMC is being extremely upfront with the fact that they might be out of cash by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. No, only like in, movie theater left in Missoula. Almost only. We might be witnessing like the death of an entire industry because of like the pandemic is really crazy. And mm-hmm. especially since, you know, I want to make movies one day. It's like, oh, no, shit, fuck. <laughs> no, no, um, no, no, come back. But also, I don't know, it feels, especially with how streaming has evolved, it seems like it's a natural progression well, as well. And we've talked about it before. The The movie theater experience has been having problems for years, and they passed the point where they can make up the money they were losing by making popcorn more expensive. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yep, it probably sucks that all these theaters are going out of business, but that means they're going to be on sale for cheap and maybe someone else can pick them up and figure out a real way of fucking doing this. Yeah, some sort of major change is coming. I, I think when I was reading all these articles, the thing that stood out to me was just sort of how weirdly upfront they're being. Yeah, they're scared. Yeah. They, they have run out of other options and now, hey, we're going to run out of money. Yeah, they are about to tank and this is their like Hail Mary of like, fuck guys. Um, well, and so. they keep trying to reopen and everyone's like, no. Right. Currently, <laughs> uh, currently AMC has reopened uh, 494 of their 598 theaters. Uh, they're operating at 20 to 40 percent capacity, but current audience attendance is just 15% of last year. And all of those ones that are still closed, New York and California. So where all of their people are. <sighs> yeah. The two biggest like, premier venues. Um, yeah. I'm torn between like, Hey, movie theaters. I sometimes like those and not feeling a whole lot of sympathy for large corporations that haven't figured out ways to adapt with the times. Right. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yep. I will. I mean, I'll end up being bummed if they go under though, because it is the only th- movie theater in town other than the Roxy, yeah, which really I love the Roxy, the Roxy, but <laughs> like start a Kickstarter to make the Roxy buy the new other theater just have two Roxy's. Yeah, uh, Roxy oh my gosh, is the that would be amazing for you guys. Roxy is the local nonprofit movie theater that's in the like historic movie theater building in Missoula. They're great. They're awesome, but <laughs> I also generally don't go watch the Avengers there. No, they are a small movie theater, and they sell like mostly like a weird art house movie or you loved this movie when you were ten. Right. I love going and watching like the Lighthouse at the Roxy. Cowboy Bebop, the movie, was a just awesome experience doing that in the theaters. Uh, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, that's all happening. Well, we were just talking about Star Trek a little bit anyway with mm-hmm. you watching Discovery. 
Kate Mulgrew is going to be coming back to Star Trek. Yeah, she's going to be in the, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, it's, Star Trek Prodigy. It's the Nickelodeon one. Mm-hmm. It is a new animated Nickelodeon Star Trek about a bunch of kids that find an old derelict uh, Federation ship and basically, like, let's travel the universe in our van, but our van is the Starship Enterprise relic. It sounds fun-ish. It sounds like a kid's show, and that's fine. Like, we have proven that Star Trek can be multiple genres, so why the fuck can't it be a kid's show? Children's media is always evolving. Yeah. Um, I am curious, because I couldn't figure this out. Is Mulgrew coming back for, like, an appearance or two, or is Janeway going to be a uh, regular cast member? I think recurring, if not regular. Okay. My running theory on this is going to be because she becomes an admiral after Voyager ends. The brief appearance in uh, the last Next Generation movie confirms that. And I bet she's like, why the fuck do these kids have this Federation starship? Maybe we should get that back. <laughs> uh, and my, and like whether, you know, they're, the kids are trying to not give it back or who knows, they're trying to get home too, like Janeway did. But have her be the one being like, hey, no, no, really, that's... Oh, it could be fun. I I don't know. I never watched much with Janeway, so... With Picard and Seven of Nine being so freaking dark in Star Trek Picard, which is a great show, so more power to it, but um, it would be nice to see Janeway come back and have, like, something good happening. Because mm. nothing good happens to Seven or Nine and uh, Picard after those series end. Oh, let's see. Going on. HBO Max is going to be making a Lumberjane series with Noelle Stevenson, one of the creators, who also did She-Ra over on Netflix. This is one that Yui actually has read some of because I lent it to them. Yeah. Uh, Grizz, who was on our... That was our Avatar episode, I think. Uh, Grizz, who was on Avatar, is very excited for this because he's a big She-Ra fan. I picked up the rest of the Noelle Stevenson run of Lumberjanes that I didn't have. Just like, well, it's going to remind me to do this. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty excited. She seems to be moving much more into making cartoons instead of making comic books, which I'm sure she makes like six times the money. So... Good for you, Noel. Right. Uh, Lumberjanes could be a really great cartoon. Like, it's just built to work like that. I've only ever heard the name. What's the concept behind Lumberjanes? Lumberjanes is four girls, maybe five girls. Yeah, because the camp counselor joins them at a summer camp uh, in a, you know, Girl Scouts-like, Boy Scouts-like kind of thing. And they go on wild magical adventures together. Oh. And it's literally magical adventures. They, like, meet yetis and stuff like that. It's... Seems like uh, Gravity Falls, but if it was a regular summer camp. And maybe a little less murder mystery. Okay. Yeah, not as, like, cryptic uh, cipher weirdness, but... Uh, but it's still fun. really funny. Mm-hmm. It's really empowering. I love it as an adult. My nephew, who's eight or nine, loves it. Hmm. And, you know, if you ever need evidence of like, yes, little boys will love character books with girls in them if the girls are well written and cool. Right there, Evan thinks Lumberjanes is just the shit. Awesome. 
Uh, oh, and there's lesbians. Also awesome. Noelle Stevenson really likes to put her queer representation in it. And as we've discussed, we need more of that. So, uh, All right. So this, this one was the big one right as we headed into the weekend. I kind of wanted to bring it up on Saturday because the news had already dropped, but I figured I'd wait. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan's production company, Outlier Society, is going to be doing Static Shock. I am glad that they're not being like, he's going to play Static Shock, because Static is a, you know, like, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid. It falls under, I will pay more attention when we get further along than, hey, I'm going to produce this movie. But I also really like Static, so... The thing I've been hearing about the way this announcement went down and how they keep making sure to put Michael B. Jordan's name on it is it sounds like something's going to happen, 100% sure. But they're still unsure whether it's going to be, like, a movie or a series. Yeah, but they did that with, like, Channing Tatum and Gambit, too, being like, see, we've got this big-name person willing to direct in it, and that never But he went. was only willing to star. This is actually putting Michael B. Jordan's production company on the line with putting his name out in front. Cool. I mean, I want it to happen. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I just have come to the conclusion, because we announced things so early, like, that I will pay more attention once they're like, all right, we're in active pre-production. But with the DC mm-hmm. side of things, I know that you wanted to bring up Future State. So Future State is a two-month initiative that DC is doing, and I'll go through it real quick. I just wanted to bring it up because we have talked a couple of times about what it originally was supposed to be. Uh, about two years ago, DC started planning and working towards something they were calling 5G or fifth generation, which is where they were going to age all of their characters up to closer to what their actual ages would be and bring in new generations of heroes. They were going to kind of Batman beyond the DC universe. And then Dan Didio got fired and this was his baby. So they were like, well, let's just quietly stop talking about this. But as they DC's been in kind of a weird place as all of their plans got shuttered and they had to figure out what they're going to do next. And they had all of this stuff that they had already put a lot of work and money into. So they're like, all right, let's just do it kind of uh, uh, Age of Apocalypse style where we'll just for like two or three months show this future DC. And they're trying to treat it as like, we've never done anything like this before. This is the third time they've done this basic like plot thing. Uh, this is the big largest scale they've ever done it, but still. And uh, it's a lot like, oh, let's see, you know, Batman in the future or Superman's son is now Supes. Supes. And mm-hmm. like Wonder Woman's immortal, so she's still there, but someone else is working as Wonder Woman and all, all that kind of thing. Um, and I really hated the idea of 5G when they first started talking about it. And then I looked at most of these like titles they announced. I'm like, fuck, all of this sounds really good. I've been kind of skirting around some of the news from it because I wasn't quite sure how it sounded yet. Everything doesn't look bad. Uh, I'm just going to wait to see a little bit more before I get more excited about it. The Superman stuff, I don't really care about. The original Superman's off having a kind of World War, not World War, uh, Planet Hulk situation where he's off being a gladiator on a different planet. Oh, okay. Which I don't think works for Clark at all, but... Who am I to say? But like, you know, Bruce Wayne is no longer Batman and there is, they haven't revealed who the new Batman is, but they have revealed he's black. And the guy who wrote 12 years a slave, I believe 
is writing the book. Oh, shit. Okay. But, uh, and it was originally going to be he was going to take over the main Batman book. Hmm. And I think the, there's a good chance a lot of this happened because they had already paid that much money to do this new Batman book and decided against it. And we're like, okay, we have to do something with this. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, like, where's Nightwing 10 years from now? Who's the new Batman? Bruce Wayne is no longer Batman and is like faked his death and is trying to track down who was ever hunting him. And he's calling himself the dark detective, but it's clearly a like knockoff Batman. He still has the little ears <laughs> in the thing he's wearing. It's kind of like a paramilitary Batman costume. And I'm like, okay, so this looks really good. But Bruce, you are the worst at hiding your own death, like not being dead. Wow. I I think I saw images of that suit and I thought. The I, look is awesome. Do not get me wrong. I'm just like, really, Bruce? I'm, the, I'm not Batman. I'm the dark detective. You're wearing a Batman cowl. <laughs> See, that was the thing that kept throwing me. I was like. My detective cowl. <laughs> all the headlines kept being like, who is he now that he's not being Batman anymore? And I'm like, but isn't but he Batman? Batman. <laughs> You're showing me a picture of Batman. Why? <sighs> the new Batman costume looks really good. It does a thing that I've always enjoyed of uh, covering the whole face, mm. not having like the open mouth area. Mm-hmm. Although I wish they hadn't made Batman black and then immediately covered every inch of his skin. <sighs> Yeah, that happens a lot. Yep, in and representation. I am even willing to bet it wasn't on purpose because the suit looks real goddamn good. But yeah, think about that. Yeah, this is just a—it's a bad plan. Well, with it, it's, it's in the future, mm-hmm. and it's like a full coverage suit. So I'm going to imagine that it has to like nanobot on and off of him so he might be out of the suit more often anyway i I don't know um i guess we'll find out i don't know it's still kind of gross it's kind of a mix between the batman beyond look and the like modern batman look except with yellow instead of red so like you know big yellow symbol Mm -hmm. uh he still has the cape but other than that it's kind of batman beyondish looking it's a good looking suit it's just that was unfortunate that's but because we had talked about Dan Didio and 5G, I kind of wanted to just bring this one up. And because I'm excited for it, and I have not been excited for any DC books in a hot minute. Old DC books, yeah, I'm all about them, but I wasn't reading any current ones. Nice. On the subject of comics and the last little bit of news I have today, and it's just a little thing, but we were kind of wondering if things would start to head in this direction once Archie went day and date. Marvel announced that Marvel Unlimited is going to cut from six months out to three months out. Oh, so exactly what we predicted was going to happen. Yeah. We have our fingers on the pulse of the industry. (laughs) That makes, I mean, it's the exact same thing we were talking about with the cinema. Like, I Mm -hmm. I don't really, it just, this is going to happen. It's going to go almost entirely digital. I bet the trade monthlies are going to be dead within, I I don't want to give a timeline because every time someone has said that, they've been wrong. But decade five years you're saying yeah, like i'm saying five uh and the physical copies the the trades are going to keep selling if nothing else i buy enough of them to probably keep dc comics afloat but uh that was yeah that's the last little thing came out just today actually just a couple hours ago i was like oh at first i was like if they're going day and date then i'm signing up for it right now <laughs> just right fucking now 
that I, wasn't the case. I really do need to give up the goat and get a tablet or something and get Marvel Unlimited and DC, whatever the hell it's called, and DC Universe Infinite or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. Bad name. Mm-hmm. Also, it shortens to DUI. Um, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that yet. <laughs> no. Oh, that makes me real happy. You don't want your abbreviation to be DUI. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're dumb. <laughs> Uh, but if I got those, my comic book collection, like, my house would stop being a full-on library, which has its ups and downsides. True. Uh, I have to move those in the next month or so, so I'm definitely on the downsides of it equation right have now. Have fun with that. Yeah, I've done it before. I know. I was, I was super happy with the fact that all of my comics were mostly digital these days until when we went to do our Black Panther episode and I couldn't get an issue to download correctly. Oh, no. oh that's some bullshit. And then I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't have to worry about books downloading. Damn it. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for news today. All right, let's take a quick break and then we will dive into, I was trying to look for a Western-ish sounding way to do this, but uh, we'll, we'll talk more Mandalorian. <laughs> Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I'm sorry. I had nothing there. I... <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. We're back to talk about Mando. Oh, you're going to keep that in. <laughs> of course I'm going to keep that in. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is fun. This is, I think, a true follow-up episode. Yeah, I've been calling it Podful of Mando 2 for the entire time. I think you had a different name in mind because you actually pay attention to Westerns. but uh, <laughs> The Good, the Pod, and the Mando. That works. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of stuff. Um, so uh, when this episode drops, the first episode of the second season will be out. No, or no, quite. it'll be coming out this that week. Sorry. Yep. Uh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it is the like main thing we've been talking after, about at the house. Uh, especially I, after rewatching all the episodes for this. It's been so nice. And I'm so like re excited for season two. Agreed. I, I said this weekend has been crappy because all I did was edit. That's not true. I watched episodes to get ready for this, and it actually made the weekend pretty good. Right. But There's uh, only so bad things can be when you're watching Taika Watiti do Star Wars. Right. <laughs> uh, also, unlike last time, like we're not right in the middle of the season. We've actually had time to process it. So <laughs> like it's not just going to be like, ee, Baby Yoda. Except, you know, like, ee, Baby Yoda. <laughs> Look, this is the... F- fourth or fifth time I think that CC and I have watched the entire thing and pretty much the whole time watching was just her going e baby Yoda <laughs> she also it, she calmed down enough to she got to go on about her crush on the Mando and on Cara Dune as well but mm. uh, still mostly it was e baby Yoda oh Cara Dune I, I do <laughs> not blame her on either one of those options uh, so what should we should we just start at the beginning? Because we did leave off at a, a particular spot. Yeah, I was going to say, last time we just kind of bounced around and mostly talked about the most recent episode. But let's just go episode by episode based on this one. All right, I got some of this in front of me then. Episode five, The Gunslinger. That's Tatooine episode. Right. Yeah, where Amy Sedaris is the uh, space uh, mechanic. She's so good. And... Yeah, the official description is the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. That's 
very accurate to that. And the underutilization of Michelle Yeoh. I actually was looking into this. I was wrong. That is not Michelle Yeoh. That is Ming Na Wen. It absolutely oh, yeah, is. That is right. Dr. Chen all Dr. over the place. Which I, I was wrong because I had thought that was Michelle Yeoh as well. And I'm like, she gets to play both Philippa Giorgio and Discovery and dies really quickly, but like is threatening and cool. But no, she gets to play the That's one good part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You're right. And under, under utilization of that cameo, though. Agreed. Now, I guess that's st- skipping right to the end of the episode, but do you guys think Fennec's actually dead? Uh, oh, you're saying who is it that, like, walks up to the corpse at the very end that we don't reveal? Well, do we think she was too far gone when the person walked up to her? Don't know. I just assumed that someone walked up and found her corpse, but I didn't even consider the option that she was still alive. But I like Michelle Yeoh, so yeah, sure, that's fine, whatever. Ming Na Wen. Ming Na Wen. God damn it! Uh, I, <laughs> I, I love like Ming Na Wen because I am a giant ER fan. <laughs> so <laughs> you have so much range to your fan. So Doctor Chen showing up, I'm just like, <gasps> yay! That's an evil sniper, man. Life went hard for you, right? Uh, <laughs> Sometimes medical school doesn't pay off. Okay, so one, it would be great. Two, we never get revealed, and since we're just talking about the end part, and then we'll, I guess, dive backwards a little bit. <laughs> it's never revealed who that is that walks up to her, but like they specifically never show anything above the like waist or like knees, which I feel like is on would purpose. Would it have been, uh, what's his face, Moff? Moff uh, Gideon? Yeah, sorry, I did like boiling a bit. Uh, I don't know if it would have been Moff Gideon, if only because I don't think Moff Gideon's the type of man that would ever wear spurs. Yeah, oh, if, if he yeah. was wearing black, that would have been my guess. It almost looked kind of Boba Fetty, which people would be real was, happy if you brought Boba Fett into The Mandalorian. My guess would be Cobb Vanth, who is the guy who's currently wearing uh, Boba Fett's armor. Where is and that he, from? Uh, he was brought up in Chuck Wendig's uh, Star Wars Aftermath novel. Oh, those are supposed to be really good. I've not read them yet. And is supposedly being played by Timothy Oliphant next season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not Boba. It's someone in Boba's armor, possibly. Yeah. I would almost rather just have Boba back, but, you know. Oh, because then we could have, like, him calling out somebody who's wearing Mandalorian armor but hasn't, like, you know, earned it. Well, and, like, that sort of battle could ensue. And I'll be really curious of where that goes because his Boba Fett's status as a Mandalorian is really unclear right now. Because he was in the original stuff. He becomes Mandalore in the, like, Legends. original EU, yeah. Uh, but with... Only the recent stuff being canon, the only reference we have one way or the other is the Countess, uh, what is her, Satine from uh, mm-hmm. Clone Wars, goes, uh, when they mention Jango Fett, he goes, he, was, he is not a Mandalorian. But she's also one of the, like... The new Mandalorian. Yeah, the new peaceful Mandalorian. So if he was, you know, sticking to the old ways and being a criminal, she might have just meant, no, we don't. Like, basically, we've excommunicated him or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't care either way. I kind of prefer him as a Mandalorian, but it's fine if he's not. I just want to know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two other real 
real tiny cameos in this episode mm-hmm. to point out. Uh, the spaceport operator that you only hear when he's landing is uh, extremely famous voice actor Steve Bloom. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, who played every stormtrooper in Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> and uh, the droid bartender was Mark Hamill. That one uh-huh. I knew. Who also is an extremely famous voice actor, even if we're thinking about him as something else. Uh, uh, he's in Avatar The Last Airbender. He's in uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. He's in Metalocalypse. He's in basically everything. James on the Bob Strike Back. Fucking Hamill. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Cockknocker. And, and more importantly, <laughs> he's the Joker. He's the one per- version of the Joker that I still like. Uh, True. Now, if I have to be honest about this episode, uh-huh. like by default, there has to be a worst episode of the yes. season. And, and I think it's probably this one. this one. It's either this one or the one before. And meeting Cara Dune was cool enough that it's hard to call it that one. Uh, I like mean, my notes for this episode are like that it feels like filler and it's not the type of filler this show deserves. And I still enjoyed it. Like, it was fun to watch. Uh, I enjoyed that the Mando actually treated the sand people as, you know... With respect? Yeah, like sentient beings as opposed to just fucking, like, wild marauding murderers. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, literally the only thought I really had about this one was the the kid who plays the super douchey man... Not Mando. The super douchey wannabe bounty hunter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um let me find out who that is real quick. He is rumored to be possibly getting cast as Kirk in a new Star Trek show. Uh, Jake Cannavale. Vale? Cannavale? Anyway. And I keep having to remind myself when I read about that, that he's probably not this douchey in real life. And that, like, <laughs> he could be a pretty good Kirk. Like, he is acting. He's not necessarily that shitty already. Because uh, he is, oh, so hateable in this fucking show. He is like the definition of mediocre entitled white boy. Yeah, he was pretty annoying. He made this episode a lot less likable. Mm-hmm. Just And it made sense for the story to have like a real piece of shit character, but oh, he just made me so mad every time he talked. <laughs> uh I did laugh a little bit when Mando was just like, Oh no, we can't do that. She's got the high ground. Yeah. Trained by Cece just started going, trained by Obi-Wan. <laughs> Uh, and then I was less happy with the fight at the end because the editing on that was choppy as shit. Couldn't tell what the fuck was going on in that fight. I don't even remember it. And I watched it yesterday. So let's let that. Yeah. I, I don't like sometimes. Sometimes you gotta be actually clear with your editing to actually, you know, get your point across. Mm -hmm. So episode five. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. This is the filler episode we deserve. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, goes in episode six, The Prisoner. Mm. Prisoner, uh, have you watched the uh, How It Should Have Ended for The Mandalorian? I haven't. They do an episode by episode How It Should Have Ended, and it gets to this one, and the uh, character played by, who is that, Bill Barr? Bill Burr. Bill, Bill Burr just points the gun at the like How It Should Have Ended guys and goes, don't you fuck with this perfect episode. And then it goes <laughs> to the next episode. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh... The official uh, description is the Mandalorian joins a crew of mercenaries on a dangerous mission. One, I'm a sucker for a heist. So just automatically, like, I was uh, already going to like this episode. And then... Especially the Hoyt classic motif of 
the changed one coming back to the group and then like, oh, just the one last mission, mm-hmm. like, that type of feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, desperation bringing him to it and then being like all these things you used to do. And he's like, yeah, that was a long time ago. Plus, the cast in this one is just brilliant. Bringing fucking the Kurgan in. Yeah. Um, Clancy Brown, Clancy Brown thank is you. Berg. Uh, we already mentioned Bill Burr is Mayfeld. Uh, there is... Oh, I, I should Natalia have... Dyer? Hmm? Uh, I think Natalia Dyer uh, was the Twi'lek uh, sister. Yeah. She was um, uh, Natalia Natasha Chana. in... Anna, sorry. She was Tonks in Harry Potter, right? <clears throat> yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Just making sure I had that one right. Uh, and someone in Game of Thrones whose name I never learned because I never watched much of that. Uh, mm-hmm. She was creepy as all get out as that Twi'lek. Um, she does it well. Yeah, I was. I was. I'm always happy to see Mark Boone Jr., who was the the guy back at the space station. Space station. Oh, uh, Gordon's detect or Gordon's partner from Batman Begins. Right, right. I think of him as Bobby Elvis from Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah, same thing. Yeah. Um, he plays the kind of sleazy dude really, really, really? well. Uh, holy. Oh, Mando gets to be so badass this episode. And I think that's one of the things I liked about it, <laughs> of just really showing why everyone is so, like, intimidated by Mando. Because, like, up to that point, you've only really ever heard of his exploits. And, like, especially this episode with all of the callbacks of, like, oh, you used to do this. Like, well, I don't do that anymore. But then, like, it's just nice. It's I love how these last few episodes follow really nice like movie progression of like character building and it's really nice to see that portrayed on screen very very well well and anytime we'd had like big mando fight scenes before this he gets rescued by someone else this is the first time that he's not just doing the rescuing but when they turn on him and it's just him like stalking the ship Oh, was so, oh my God, the whole like, mm-hmm. the like slasher sequence with yes. Bill Burr. <laughs> Holy fuck. What the uh, hell? That was so cool. So often, like, yeah, so often when they do that kind of like slasher, someone's being hunted, you're not rooting for the hunter, but it goes in this one and you're just like, oh, you guys get what you fucking deserve. You absolute <laughs> assholes. Uh, and I love that there's like the bait and switch of like you assume that like based on like all the brutality and stuff and how they've been goading him, it's like yeah he definitely like killed them. So well nope. Well, and we had just seen him just wreck those battle droids right before that, but. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think not killing Berg might have been a little bit of luck too. The yeah, I, mean, I, I think did... Berg got off lucky getting smushed between those doors. Yeah, he, he <laughs> tried. Let's be honest there. <laughs> He tried to garrot him, first of all. <laughs> like, Yeah. Uh, this makes uh, Clancy Brown's second character in Star Wars that I know of, because he also voices a character in Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a huge character, but it's still, I think he's one of the first people to have two roles in two different Star Wars properties. Mm-hmm. Oh. What? Oh, I just realized who did the voice for the droid. It's the, the IT guy, guy yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, Richard Ayoade. That's the one. From the IT. Yeah. Yeah. No, I realized that like about halfway through the first time watching it. Because like, especially with how deadpan his humor was, I loved it. And it feels like everybody who wanted to ever be in Star Wars was just going to be in The Mandalorian. Well, and it's John Favreau. So he's 
made friends with like fucking everyone in Hollywood because he's mm-hmm. from what I can tell a chill, nice guy who isn't huge, but is extremely active in Hollywood or like he's gotten pretty big now, but like only recently has he become much more of a household name. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode did have, have me wondering what are your guys's thoughts on Mando's ship, the Razorcrest? I want to see more of it. It remind the shape reminds me so much of the fire of the Serenity from Firefly mm. that it kind of pulls me out of it a little bit. But it is. I mean, we go ahead. We've really only ever seen the cockpit and that one downstairs bay area, right? Mm-hmm. And it must um, be a little bigger because he keeps a couple of blurgs in there later on. I, don't I thought that was it. just in the same bay area. Oh, okay. Maybe that uh, was just a very uncomfortable trip for a little while. I could see like that. Like, they just moved all the boxes and stuff out of there. Uh, yeah, because, I don't know. I, th- I I was having the same sort of thing. It reminded me a bit of Serenity, kind of kept pulling me out. I kept thinking to myself, I want him to have a ship that looks more like the Slave One, even though I realize he's not Boba Fett, but... Even if it's not the slave one, which give him the archangel. I had a yes, I actually had that exact same thought. But um, <laughs> I want it to at least feel a little tougher than it is. Like it, it, it's a good ship; it can go under the radar. All the really useful stuff that they do in this. But for some reason, Mando piloting a ship that isn't armed to the teeth feels wrong to me. That hasn't even been shown to be armed as much as like the Falcon. Yeah, it just I seems mean, to have the blasters. He's clearly demonstrated that he doesn't particularly need it. That's true. I just maybe it's just because I grew up reading the like uh I I had the Essential Guide to Vehicles and Vessels, which was just a book full of like starship stats that mm-hmm. I keep expecting every ship in Star Wars to just be loaded to the gills <laughs> with like <laughs> weapons. I also just kinda wanna see the Archangel. Yeah. There's some, there's a lot of really cool ships. Um, and I guess more than anything else, like it's a Star Wars ship. It's automatically cool. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't grab me nearly as much as like the Falcon does or Slave One even. It looks way easier to fly than Slave One. So Mando gets to be a fucking badass throughout most of this episode. But one of the things that I kind of like about the series is even Mando being a badass, he takes a couple really good shots like he kind of gets his ass kicked a lot of the time oh yeah they're very Mm -hmm. willing to throw mando against walls um which is he doesn't already have a concussion all the time (laughs) poor latif crowder yeah which is kind of fun because a lot of what mando's been showing has been when we're talking the underbelly we're also talking you know not the space sorcerers not the like big damn heroes that we were seeing in luke skywalker uh, so even someone good getting the shit kicked out of them, like, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Although he's still a Mandalorian, so he's still, you know, scary capable. Oh, dude, yeah, he just bodies those that first group of droids. Like, <laughs> that's insane, but at the same time, in that fight, he takes they give him a couple pretty good fucking whacks. Yeah, it's real lucky that uh, that Beskar blocks, like, fucking everything. <laughs> Oh, dude. Also, I love how quickly he just, like, busts out of that prison cell. He's just like, God, this is really inconvenient. (laughs) And then just, like, breaks out. Meanwhile, there are four people stuck in that cell by the end of that 
episode and they are like, God, this sucks. <laughs> We're all stuck here. I, when he's, when the Twilight lady is throwing her knives at, uh, at him and he's like blocking them with the Beskar, I did have Wonder Woman flashbacks. Mm. <laughs> I was just kind of thinking like, it seemed like a pretty standard progression, I guess, from like uh, everything. I don't know. So there's some sort of trope where it must go like, you're, you're fighting the big, strong guy, knife person, gun person. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the big, strong guy tends to be the best fight of the three of them. But either way. Uh, Rule of three and like increasing odds. At this point, I feel like they have had a bounty hunter pulling a gun on the child too many times for me to like really feel it. Mm. Like that, you know, like someone's got a gun on the child and yeah, and then the sound of a blaster and it turns out not to be them. That's like the third time this has happened in the series in the first season. That's true. So I, I kind of liked the fake out with like Baby Yoda's trying to like use the force. Yeah, and he's that, like, oh, maybe I did it. That but did no, definitely it was, help. It was cute. I just know like, you know, when uh, in the the episode to recover recorded last time where they pulled that and it was the sniper and it really makes it sound like someone shot baby Yoda. I know you and Cece were both like freaking out. And I don't remember that yep. this time when it looked like someone might have shot baby Yoda. I mean, even when I watched that episode, I wasn't super concerned. Like, yeah, it was like, Oh no, but it wasn't as strong of a reaction because they didn't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Intentionally <laughs> cue you for that. With, like, how they set that scene up, uh, you expected some sort of recourse because he was going to have to come back to the ship eventually. Yeah. And with how they were trying to collapse space and time to, like, the kind of, like, drop is when you realize that the, uh, when you're with uh, Zero, um, his storyline is happening just a little bit. Mm -hmm. after because we didn't see as much of it with him as we had to like on the ship mm -hmm. so there was time for the mandalorian to get back from the ship from when he finished doing all that shit to then be there in time to save him mm -hmm. this is i think the first time we've really seen much of the new republic at all because we like the original trilogy is before the new republic really takes off and then in the first movie of the new trilogy they blow up the New Republic, basically. Right. So it was kind of interesting to see, you know, what this government was in between. And they mostly are the Rebellion. Like, but... Uh, but with a new name. Yeah, I want to see more of them because I'm curious about, like, how that works in this time of history. Mm -hmm. the, the, the grander galactic stuff that I'm probably not going to get in The Mandalorian, but... On the the fun bit with uh, those three X-wing pilots at the end, mm -hmm. Dave Filoni, Deborah Chow, and uh, Rick Famuyiwa. Deborah <laughs> Chow directed the next episode. I want to say, yeah, Dave Filoni's basic <clears throat> running. I think I don't know who the last person is. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa uh, also he directed this episode. Oh, the okay, Prisoner, cool. Wrote. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember if he wrote any episodes this first season. I'm positive he did, but I'm not sure which one. Uh, but next season of the eight episodes, six mm -hmm. of them are written by Favreau, 
one of them's written by Rick, and I think the other one's written by Dave. Oh, okay. That's, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I like it when they let behind the scenes people go ahead, like in front of the camera every once in a while. Well, and especially like finally putting Filoni canonically yeah. somewhere in Star Wars. He has Wars. clearly wanted to be, just live in the Star Wars universe always. Mm -hmm. Like that's just how Filoni rolls. Uh, yeah. And oh, did you already say, say that Chow is going to be doing the uh, Obi-Wan series? You mentioned that last episode yeah. that we did. Yeah, this, Deborah yeah. Chow is going to be doing the, the Obi-Wan series. That's so, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad that they all got a little bit of screen time. That's really cool. And the, the random people that have been X-Wing pilots in this I don't series. I want to be a random X-Wing pilot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm laughing, but I would kill to have that. Let's <laughs> just, you know, call up Favs. Just be like, hey, what up? It's us. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think that brings us to episode seven. Episode seven, <laughs> The Reckoning. Uh, an old rival extends an uh, invitation for the Mandalorian to make peace. And it's the return of Carl Weathers. <laughs> and the return of uh, Werner Herzog. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot how much I hated listening to his voice. I cannot watch these episodes without just being like, Yui's randomly mad right now and doesn't even necessarily know why. Um, I mean, that would explain a lot. <laughs> no, I don't think it's me. Uh, <laughs> so we were talking about the other two, kind of the middle three being filler. I do think it was a little jarring that they did like three heavily connected episodes, three complete filler, and then just drop right back into the story. And maybe it's just because I'm used to shows at this point that do, like, every episode fills, like, the main plot line. Um, but these episodes were so fucking cool. Right. Um, like, overall, like, having rewatched all five of these episodes, like, kind of back to back, uh -huh. it was kind of nice to have that pacing. And especially with, like, kind of how they time the rest of the climactic impacts throughout the season. To have that middle few bits being just kind of like lower stakes, not quite as much, but we're still getting the backstory build yeah. for like the character of the Mandalorian, but not quite as big as the backstory drop that's coming in like the next few episodes. I, I, uh, I, I actually know. am a supporter of standalone episodes and maybe it's just that I'm not used to them anymore because no one like especially, you know, comics, which is I loved one off issues are pretty much a thing of the past. Yeah, the, he decides, or he gets an offer that obviously no one believes from Carl Weathers' character, whose name I do not know, because every time I see him, I just go, hey, look, it's Carl Weathers. Uh, Grief Karga. Mm -hmm. Grief Karga. Who's like, hey, help me kill Werner Herzog and everything will be cool. And you're like, come on, man. <laughs> this is a really bad lie. Like, I get why Mando's going for it, but... This is a terrible plan. Well, I mean, one of my first notes on this episode is just that everything flows back together from the beginning of the season so beautifully. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this is why you met Kara. And like, she's the perfect one to bring in on this. Oh, like, Quill, of course, is perfect to bring in on this. Like, and fucking oh, IG look, 11. IG 11's back. <laughs> Tyga's oh, back. Like,. Okay, so if we're going to talk about standalone bits, like uh -huh. that montage of uh, IG-11's recovery 
If you were to remove that from the rest of the episode, remove the voiceover, that would be a perfect, not only example of like montage and like how to do it correctly and efficiently, but also uh, just just in an encapsulated story in and of itself. And it's so fucking good. And ah, it's also really funny to watch an assassin droid like fail to pick up a cup. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, well, and it's also funny watching an assassin droid successfully pour. Yeah. Uh, Both but, sides of it are weird. But you're absolutely <laughs> correct, Yui. It is like a perfect little standalone story within a story. It's a really pretty story. And I'm a sucker for, like, this job's too big for me alone. It's time to go find my buddies. <laughs> like, that, that kind of story is something I've always gone for. My one question is, though, so Kara is doing the, like, she's chained to someone else and they're wrestling, except it's like an electro chain. But the dude at one point just grabs the energy, like, thing keeping them together and starts pulling her closer. How does that work? He's just like, well, I'll grab the laser. It'll be fine. I know. I just, this is the first time we've ever seen anyone, like, grab an energy thing. And it always feels like, well, that... That should be tasering the shit out of you. Like, <laughs> Maybe they do it enough he's immune. Because <laughs> wasn't at one point somebody like choking the other with that? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So maybe it's just kind of like an electric buzz or like something low level. It. It's just for show. Yeah, I know. And it looks really cool. I just, for some reason, you know, every once in a while, the like the one plasma ball. The, the one stickler for, like, how would that work that, like, sticks with whatever thing? it was This is just your version of, of me on the Transformers episode wondering about them getting around on the bottom of the pool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they're space wizards. This should not be, like, the thing that breaks continuity for me. But I'm like, how? <laughs> Baby Yoda getting jealous of the attention that Cara Dune's getting from Mando? See, that's not how oh I read God. it. I didn't read it as jealousy. I read it as Baby Yoda thought she was a threat. And I thought that early on, but it kind of keeps up throughout the episode. Baby Yoda does glare at her a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Baby Yoda is giving some pretty intense Baby Yoda fucking side eye. <laughs> Either way, this has kind of proved my point of maybe the Mando is not the best person to be a dad for someone that could fall to the dark side if they're not raised, like, properly. <laughs> Because Mando's I mean, be pretty, like, <laughs> Mando's pretty open to murder if it's the best option. I mean, did you see how happy he was? Oh, shit. Sorry, that's the next episode. No, that's fine. Whatever. It's, yeah, we can but, jump around. It's a Yeah, no, like, so. how happy he was when he was, like, writing with IG-11. <laughs> that's true. It's, yeah. Uh, we have... Oh, I was going to say, when they go come out of the ship and all three of them are riding the Blurgs, which I just sort of love Blurgs. Mm. Like, two-legged, so good. two-legged do-backs with a doofy name. Sign me up. But they ride out of the ship already on the Blurgs. That was like a power move. That was like intro. We're intimidating <laughs> them. What up? We fucking rock. This is Quill, by the way. <laughs> this is Quill, by the way. Uh, <laughs> since, since I hadn't seen it yet, when... When I watched the episode for the first time, rewatching it, and when Queel sa- says, uh, 
I think it's Quill when he goes, uh, none will be free until the old ways are gone forever. All I heard was, we'll never be free unless we end slavery. <laughs> From Hamilton? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that line struck a lot closer to home in 2020 than it did, I mean, even just last year when it came out. Mm. Of mm. Uh, the, the, the extremely revolutionary nature of that line. I love Quill so much. I'm so mad that they killed him. Like, it made perfect sense storyline-wise, but oh my god. I know. It would have been so nice to like, still have him as a character. Um, I love Quill. I'm really bummed that he died, but I do love how they sort of chose to show that at the end, where it's just like... Mm-hmm. Where you even see Baby Yoda before you see what actually happened to Quill. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps panning up and you're like, oh shit, that's not good. I was a little... What s- happened? And then, oh, yep. I was a little scared the first time that they that I watched this that it would turn out that he was a traitor or something. That like he mm-hmm. was still working for the Empire. And I'm so glad I was wrong on that front because I would not have forgiven that. Um, <laughs> uh, even knowing it was coming, the fucking Minox coming out of the darkness got me. Yeah, and learning <laughs> that their soup's poisonous. Right. And then holy fucking hor- force heal. <laughs> the best part of that is uh, Carl Weathers screaming, he's trying to eat me! <laughs> <laughs> that character is such a weird mix of, like, kind of intimidating and a complete fucking doof at the same time <laughs> that I uh, am a fan. Like, I feel like he's who I would be if I somehow, like, made it in the Bounty Hunters Guild. <laughs> the way he's playing him reminds me almost like like a live, a live action anime character. A little bit, yeah. I can see it. Not like a main character. He's not that over the top. But somebody the main character runs into the, like that. The main character's town. buddy. Yeah, yeah kind of. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of brings us naturally to uh, the the final episode, unless you any of you have anything on. Else to say about The Reckoning. Uh, the Reckoning was the episode that won them the primetime Emmy for Outstanding Cinematography on a single camera. I mean, half of course hour. it did. This, mo- or this episode is the best episode of the series as far as I'm concerned. Just the way it was shot, the moment, like the pacing on it and everything, it did feel head and shoulders above the others to me. Well, oof. I mean, and right Taika. at the end. It's fucking Taika. Taika, and then right at the end, you get the Moff Gideon popping out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which we actually saw Moff like, Gideon just before this. Right. Oh, sorry, go, I interrupted you there, Yui. Oh, I was just going to gush about like the cinematography, like the callbacks to like when he was carried away by the Mandalorians and he carries baby Yoda away. And it was very good <laughs> visual resonance. Um, Does the jetpack look a little weird to anyone else? Like the way that he stands while he's flying, it just looks off to me for some reason. It's probably just a product of like how they had to do that. Like in person, like with the lifting rig mm-hmm. or well, something. And jetpacks just, like, if you think about them at all, don't work very well. No. Like, they're a terrible design, If but mm-hmm. but they're still super cool. That's why you have to train with the Rising Phoenix. Yeah. Or just be the Rocketeer, one of the two. Yeah. But uh, b- before we talk about the opening scene of this episode, which is the two scout troopers, 
Do we have any thoughts on Moff Gideon and like the appearance of him and the death of Werner Herzog? I know that was the last episode, yeah. but just I wish I would have written down what fucking Werner Herzog was saying right before he bit it, because those were some of my favorite fucking lines of the whole thing, because his delivery just changes and it's completely comedic. And then he gets <laughs> it, fucking just lit up. You mean the part where he's like, yes, the baby is sleeping. Yeah, we will all keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Weird fucking warlord shitbird. <laughs> and then Gideon shows up and is in, immediately a completely different kind of intimidating, even before we know who he is. We're just like, who's that scary man in black armor and a cape? <laughs> Look. Imperials, oh, no. Imperials and capes is never a good thing for anybody. True. Yeah. True. The Scout Troopers reminded me of, do you remember Troopers? It was an old YouTube video that came out. Or, no, it predates YouTube. It was an old internet video of like a cops parody that was Stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of Troopers a little bit. <laughs> uh, in, like, including the, the taking shots at... Oh, Unintentional pun there. Uh, at how terrible the scout troopers are at hitting anything. <laughs> how two of them couldn't hit the singular thing. Or they're like, hey, can we go in yet? I'm like, nope, he just killed someone for interrupting him. I'd wait if I were you. Okay. <laughs> God. I have issues with my job sometimes, but I never have to worry about shit like that, at least. Yeah. That wasn't the first time that they people they took aim at fucking stormtrooper aim, because Bill oh, yeah. Burr also <laughs> made that crack way earlier. That like, was made a crack at. You know, he's a sharpshooter. That doesn't mean much. I wasn't a stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> First off, fuck Jason Sudeikis for punching B- Baby Yoda. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Shut up! I said shut up, and you're like Jesus. It also made me think of Red versus Blue. Oh yeah, it was very Red versus Blue. Of just like. <laughs> Two idiots in kind of cool armor sitting in the middle of nowhere talking about nothing. Oh, it's it's <laughs> so akin to the beginning of the first episode when... Um, yeah. Hey, do you ever think about why we're here? Well, like like there's a god? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, God, I haven't watched Red vs. Blue in years. And then we skip over to the actual action scene. We Well, first, s- I want to point out, holy fucking shit, Taika directing an episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taika directing, Taika being the like major emotional beats. Taika is luckily really used to being in front of and behind the camera at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's made his entire career off of it. Yeah. And I mean, this is voiceover work, so this had to be super easy for him in comparison. Yeah. Okay. Now the action. Okay. <laughs> Cara Dune's off being real cool with her mini gun. And I keep being like, just, they're all just standing there. Just open fucking fire. He's right up in the middle. Like, I mean, it'd probably still go really badly if they just killed the commander. But uh, the the confident villain giving the speech in front of his troops always bothers me because I'm mm. like, man, I could just I could end this plot real fast. Uh, I do love that they didn't have enough stormtrooper armor. So they put out a call to the 501st and we're like, hey, costuming club, any of you want to... Uh, Come be stormtroopers in the Mandalorian, and they got like forty people. <laughs> We're like, let's do this. That's amazing. This is the episode where we officially find out Mando's name, Jin Din Jaren. Din Jaren, thank you. Which, when I found out his name had a DJ in it, 
I was like, of fucking course <laughs> it does. After how much you guys have already been biting off Django all season. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> of fucking course his name has a DJ in it. Well, I mean, both of these are already... Uh, <laughs> both it's already made... a Western homage. Yeah, so it, they're, they're drawing from the same fucking sources. Well, and then he gets on the E-Web, which is really akin to... There's a huge scene in Django where he's on a fucking... Um... Oh, that's true. Yeah. The E-Web was a lot like the ATST of it showed why they're intimidating for the first time. Mm. Like, you'll hear about it like, oh, look, they're, those stormtroopers are setting up a Gatling gun. That's probably really dangerous. But it, it it's never very effective because in Empire, they're like trying to shoot the, you know, Falcon, like whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is one of those things of when you're putting it on the ground level, some of the Imperial gear that you have are like, oh, shit, that'll... That'll wreck a day. <laughs> I don't know why I hadn't thought of it prior, even to the rewatch I did earlier today. But when Moff Gideon said, uh, was addressing them all by their names, and he's like, Kara Cynthia Dune. And I was like, oh, yeah, Dune. Dune did inspire Star Wars. And Those <laughs> motherfuckers, they just, they went that lazy with the name, didn't they? <laughs> It's an homage. It's not I, lazy. I know, I know. It's lazy. No, it's, it's awesome. Absolutely. I love it, it's, but I, <laughs> I don't know why it took me so long to even think of that. I was like, oh yeah, Dune. Dune. Oh yeah. Something else called Dune. <laughs> that I'm also a huge fucking fan of. The switch over to Grief, you said his name was? Uh, Grief Karga. Yeah. Uh, being like the untrustworthy person to like I'm your buddy now is really like really abrupt I realize they only have eight episodes here but I it, it's pretty sudden but after after baby Yoda's magic hands I'm like oh he just came to Jesus <laughs> fair enough <laughs> the magic hand thing baby <laughs> <laughs> alright Mando gets blown up IG-11, oh, IG-11 showing up, as you you already mentioned this, but IG-11 showing up with the baby being IG-11 is one of my favorite, like, just single scenes from this entire series. <laughs> I want to see IG-11. sorry, IG you had to see that. That was violent. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just see IG units doing drive-bys all the time. That was <laughs> dope. <laughs> Uh, it does mean later on when they're like, there's no way we could beat this many stormtroopers alone. I'm like, everyone duck and just let IG do it himself. It'll be fine. Like, he blows himself <laughs> up and he does not need to based off everything else we've seen. Like, give him a couple guns, even if his legs start to melt off. Just fucking pull him back on and like, you'll be fine. <laughs> I was sold on everything else about that scene, and it definitely still hits me in the feels. Oh, it's a but, great scene, but I just... But when you look at what they're actually facing out there, I'm like, didn't you guys just take care of, like, four times that number? All right. <laughs> I'm also upset about them giving us fairy droid and then immediately taking away fairy droid. Yeah, as a fan of droids, I always think of that when Swole2D2 pops up there. Uh <laughs> I love fairy droid. It's <laughs> so good. An R2 unit with like arms and legs, which is, it looks just bizarre. It's weirdly and creepy. little other arms too. My immediate thought though, when I saw it was, well, I know what character I'm playing next time I do a Star Wars RPG. Like, Brilliant. Oh, yeah. 
Yes. Holy fucking armor. Yeah. I can't believe I almost skipped over that part. I mean, we're just leaping through the episode, but she... I would just watch a show about her. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just Yeah. Give us more of the armor. Other than the fact that her helmet is huge. It is really big, but it's because there's all the extra stuff on it. Yeah. She's also not very tall herself, which I think makes it look bigger. Right. Yeah. Uh, Emily Swallow as the armor. I had no idea who played it, and I had to look it up. I was like, who's the armor? She takes it home. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I really thought they were going to kill her when all of those stormtroopers popped up. And it's so much better than I could have hoped for that we just watch her wreck everybody. Um, oh, it was so badass. Oh, it was so badass. She fucking tosses the guy into the thing that melts Beskar. And I'm like, man, oh my gosh. that messes me up more than like any other death that I've seen on this. And it's not even like that graphic a death. Fucking, we already said jet. We already mentioned a jetpack, yep. but jet Mando pack. getting the jetpack is it's what everyone's been waiting for from the moment we saw he didn't have a jetpack. Uh, in Star Wars Rebels, Sabine, the Mando from that one, doesn't have a jetpack for most of it. And the same thing, the moment she's mm-hmm. given the jetpack, you're like, yes. Significant character development. I've been waiting so long. Then you get to the end. Just the happy ending there? Or as close as the happy ending as it gets? Well, I'm going to say more like Darksaber. Oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you haven't even watched Rebels yet. You didn't even have the same. Oh, no. You don't even. No. I've looked up a little bit on the Darksaber in the past because I can't help but wiki walk on some of these things. Especially especially things as cool as lightsabers. Uh, And it comes up in Clone Wars. But it's. my favorite episode of uh, of Rebels is all about someone learning to use the Darksaber. And I didn't know if it was going to translate to live action. Like, I had thought about, I mean, not knowing it was coming out, but, like, uh, having looked at it and been like, oh, that looks cool for a cartoon. I don't know. It looks so good. Mm-hmm. It's still almost on the edge of Goofy for me, but I dig it. That's okay. I dig it. I don't know. It just makes him way scarier. Yeah, because you're like, you... You shouldn't have that. How did you no. get that? Well, and we know where it last ended up. The last time we see the Darksaber, it's with... Um, Sabine. No, Sabine gives right? it to someone. Sabine gives it to the character Katie Sackoff plays in Clone Wars and Rebels. Bo-Katan oh, Cries. Yeah. Bo-Katan Cries, who Katie Sackoff is coming back as in season two. <gasps> I was about to say, since, since you all know more about those characters and about the Darksaber and stuff... We know that he has the Darksaber. We know that Katie Sackhoff showing up as Bo-Katan Cries. Which will make her the first person to play the same character. No, the second person to play the same character in live action animated. James Earl Jones was the first. Mm. And Mm -hmm. we also know that we're getting Ahsoka Tano showing up. But not by the same actress, which bumps me out. But Rosario Dawson's going to kill it. Right. Mm -hmm. I love Ahsoka, so I'm excited for that. uh, any any theories, any ideas of where where things could be going? I think Bo's going to be dead. Yeah, um, like, my first thought was, like, he fucking killed somebody to get that. And I kind of forgot that it had been given away. So my first thought was, like, oh, no, we're going to see them all dead. <laughs> and I've been really sad. Uh, we're going to see so much more Mandalore automatically in this one. Like, Mandalorians, just based off what we know, because... 
I mean, even just bringing back Bo-Katan, which I'm really excited about. Bo-Katan is not my favorite character in Star Wars, but she always advances really cool storylines because she's so tied mm -hmm. with Mandalore. Like, so anytime uh, she pops up a lot in the final season of Clone Wars, which is a thing of fucking beauty if you haven't seen it. The, the one that just came out like mm -hmm. a year or two ago. I mean, I'm excited to see Katie Sackhoff because yeah. of Battlestar, so... And Katie Sackhoff is just yeah. cool. She plays cool well. Mm -hmm. The Darksaber's kind of like the Mask of Mandalore from the EA, the the expanded universe, or EU stuff, uh, which used to be just the symbol of I am the leader of Mandalore, was a mask, like a, a specific helm, and it turned into a specific sword. And I can't decide which one I like better. Right. I kind of want someone to just show up wearing both and watch my little nerd heart explode. <laughs> to go in with the more Mandalorian stuff, Cobb Vanth supposedly showing up wearing the Boba Fett armor. Mm -hmm. We should also be getting, uh, what's it, Tamura Morrison? Showing the guy up who played Django. Boba. Or no, Django. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played Django in yeah. Clone Wars, not Clone Wars, in Attack of the Clones, but he should be coming back as Boba in this one. Right. Because fucking clone of himself so we might see boba decide to take his armor back and i've seen that happen in comic books before it's always really cool and just curious how din jaren's gonna get mixed up in all that <laughs> <laughs> uh here here's my theory we'll see if it's correct i have no basis of this other than it would be cool din J or okay vanth you said his name is the guy who has boba fett's armor yeah Cobb vanth Cobb Van uh, Boba Fett starts chasing down Cobb Vanth. Vanth goes and finds Mando being like, you have to protect me. Because hmm. I also have Mando armor and watch how badly that fucking goes. <laughs> when he's like, you you have what now? Yeah. I still like the idea of, I, I didn't even pay attention to it, but when we watched that first trailer when it came out, when you were pointing out like, oh, it looks like they're going to all of the places Luke was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw Hoth. I'm pretty sure they were in Bespin, and uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Yavin. I don't think I saw Endor, but it's possible. And, yeah, I don't know. It seems it seems that's curling around closer in, in some ways to more civilization than we've seen so well, far on the Mandalorian. Well, he's been chased by X-Wings, so it looks like we're really seeing, like... Maybe him interacting with, you know, the New Republic, which I already said I want to see more of. This time, Mando is not uh, hiding out on the outskirts of civilization. The Bounty Hunter Guild's not after him anymore, and he has a specific thing he has to do. He doesn't have to be on backwater planet of kelp farmers or whatever mm -hmm. they farmed. So we're going to have the cowboy going into the city. Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to San Francisco. Oh, God, him on Coruscant would be real interesting. You know, with the way that they film this with what it is, it's not nearly as expensive to do, like, crazy movie-quality sets. Mm -hmm. So you could do Coruscant pretty, I'm not going to say easily, but, like, more manageably. Easily. <laughs> way more than any other show has ever been able to, like, come to on that one. Like, I know shows have been, like, still been in production since, like... The whole pandemic started, but it'll be interesting to see how it's affected that, especially having just watched the previous season and now this next one coming out. I don't know. I don't think 
it's going to affect this season much. It might affect the next one because they talked about they had finished principal, like almost all of the filming before lockdown happened. And this had just been okay. their uh, post-production CGI stuff. And they can largely do that from home. Mm-hmm. As of, I think, like five days ago, they're still saying that they're planning on starting filming before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Because so, they do have that weird hollow deck that they use. Yeah. God, that thing is so cool. If you've not watched the behind the scenes, how they make it, watch it just to see the weird fucking holodeck. And I, <laughs> I heard, I heard something just today, actually, that like one of the DPs for one of the episodes in this season that's about to drop literally wasn't on set DP'd remotely. Oh, wow. Damn. That's, that's almost creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I guess the last thing I have on this is just that I'm going to address a quick rumor because people keep asking me about it. And the answer is no. Pedro Pascal did not leave the show halfway through the season. This rumor started up and the pl- the big place to record report it was like a random YouTube lady who apparently gets things wrong a lot and a mm-hmm. uh, website called Cosmic Book News that mostly shares Gamergate alt-right bullshit. Yeah, they get uh, things right like one in 20 times. Mm-hmm. The They also predicted that uh, Patrick Stewart was quitting Picard. Like, it's... Uh, anything that they consider SJW, they will be like, oh no, it's falling apart. Um... But for some reason, this theory clicked, and I think it's mostly because everyone's really fucking terrified of losing the Mandalorian, because it's been a rough year, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we need I this. Uh, but need from I was reading interviews, and they're like, what are you talking about? Pedro Pascal was on the set more this season than he was the last season. Right, because first season, it's kind of well known that, like, he was on board, but he wasn't on set that often. Like that's yeah. very often Latif Crowder in the, uh, in the suit. Latif Crowder and something Wayne. Yeah. I can't remember his first name. Uh, Cause they had two stunt doubles, one for the like fight scenes and one for the gun scenes, which uh, Brendan Wayne, Brendan Wayne. Uh, when we recorded the last episode, I realized we were talking about like how good Pedro Pascal is an actor of acting <laughs> through that helmet without speaking. And it turns out Whoa. it's how good Latif Crowder is as an actor. <laughs> Which, I like Latif Crowder. I don't know him, but the name is kind of familiar. Um, cool. <laughs> I know him from literally two things. You know, uh, I, I like to see that Pedro Pascal is getting more involved. It sounded like from the interviews that he found it a little disconcerting at first because he's not done basically voiceover work for live action mm. before. Mm-hmm. And I can see how that'd be really like kind of jarring to do. Right. I don't know. But then uh, the chances of him having left the show and the insistence was he wanted his face to be seen. And I was like, how interesting that you chose the lead character of a show who's a person of color to put these, like, weird egotist rumors to. You fucking ass. Nothing. Um, So, no, the chances of that being true is almost non-existent. I am starting to get a little little tired of seeing Giancarlo Esposito as a villain. Is that the guy who plays Gideon? Yeah. Okay. Because he's been Moff Gideon. He was Gus Fring on Breaking Bad. He's currently uh, the bad guy on The Boys. He's the head of Vaude Industries. And he kind of plays the same character in all three. 
I can see it. Not I, quite, but like there's differences I mean, for sure. Casting but. is a thing. He has found the role that pays for his existence and is fun for. He clearly enjoys doing that. Like you can even see it with Gideon. Oh yeah, and uh, he's he's fantastic. I'm just like, <laughs> all right, here's Giancarlo Esposito as a villain again. Cool. <laughs> I'm pretty the, sure I've seen this. A few the villain times. being just Giancarlo Esposito. Who is it? Don't you know? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I mean, this is the first place I think I've seen him, and I was just immediately like, wow, this dude is terrifying. And he looks so nice in real life. Right. Um, I mean, I guess he wasn't, he's not a bad guy in Dear White People. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, I'm trying to think if I've, I mean, I just kind of want to re go back and rewatch episodes six and seven. Yeah, I've watched them over, right like before three, coming three over. More times. And part of me is like, man, I could watch some more. I'll, I'll probably just put on Rebels again. What do you, you just made an exciting face. Oh, just because I actually, I just realized the first place that I actually saw Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, where was that? Um, the Spike Lee film School Days. I've heard of it. Because my <laughs> mom bought it out of a $5 bin at Walmart because she didn't understand what it's about. <laughs> I have to imagine that, that that's why, yeah, I'll, we can go into the details on that some other time. Because I, that is definitely not a movie she would have picked out for me for any. any this will be reason. fine. It says school. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, a movie all about colorism within black university. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Fucking heavy. Um. But on the message of the Mando, do you have any last thought? Either of you, any last thoughts? Anything you really want to see in the new season? Other than we know we're going to see Ahsoka. Hmm. Uh. I mean, I still want that backstory drop about Baby Yoda. Like, I don't know. I know sorry, go ahead. I, I don't know. There has to be some larger reason why Mando would just be like, well, I'm going to give up my entire career for this. And, I don't know, it'd be nice. So that's just me. I'm so torn on wanting to see more of Yoda species and never wanting to know more about Yoda species because I kind of liked the George Lucas rule of no, he needs to be a mystery. But I also really want to see Yoda's home planet at the same time. <laughs> like, I'm just worried that it's going to be uh, if you hold out a mystery for too long, no matter what, the answer won't be like as satisfying as you want it to be. Right. You're like, even if the answer is that, like, no, they're all dead. We never found out about them. But we did have a genetic sample of, like, I don't know, somehow having an copy of their remaining DNA. And, yeah, like, you would be, like, a a genetic exper experiment or something. I mean, uh, Yoda's been around for 900 years and would have still been alive when the baby was born 50 years ago. So, like, it's super possible to have gotten... I was going to say, uh, the child's actually a clone of Yaddle, not Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> the backup Yoda with hair from episode one. Yeah. <laughs> People were so excited when Yaddle was first announced. They were like, there's another Yoda. And then it doesn't have a single speaking line and is never mentioned again. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just what happened to Yaddle? Nope. No one knows. Apparently no one cares. Let's see. I don't, so, I think the thing I want to see, we're not going to see. What's that? Because I think it's canonically probably been it's centuries since one was in commission. 
but with the amount of extra Mandalorian stuff that we know is coming in. With, you want to see the Basilisk War Droid? I fucking want to see a Basilisk War Droid <laughs> so bad. <laughs> they're, gun bears! Yes, they're fucking gun bears. <laughs> Laser face gun bears. Oh, man. I think in the EU, they talk about them being all dead. Mm-hmm. I think Revan makes them extinct, which is a super bummer. But I don't care. I want a Basilisk War Droid, and I want Mando riding a Mythosaur. That's all I or want. Or Mando riding a Basilisk War Droid. I don't need to see a Mythosaur, personally. Just the <laughs> skull. I'd love to see the, an actual Mythosaur skull, though. Like, go into a know, Mando museum or Mando temple. <laughs> Obviously, I want to see the dip rule why Mando's in past things that Dave Filoni did could take off their helmets and why this, like, tribe of, like, fundamentalists can't. Yeah. But I don't even want that heavily explained. I almost just want to meet, like, Sabine Wren from Rebels, who was last seen hanging out with Ahsoka Tano, uh, and being like, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> just, like, watch her take off the helmet and have uh, Jin be like, you did what? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what do you think Boba Fett's signet is? It kind of depends on if he counts as a Mando or not. Right. And Boba might not count at all either way, because he wouldn't have been... I mean, his dad raised him as Mando, assuming that these guys still count as Mando. But he, other than that, didn't live with the Mandalorians, so... He might not have one. He might be the Mandalorian equivalent of like the the guy that like used to live nearby and moved back 30 years later. <laughs> <The poser. laughs> uh, Boba's just the biggest poser Mandalorian. Or like he actually, you know, is a Mandalorian, but hasn't done the final training or whatever because mm. he can't because of blah, 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 blah. I've been, you know, that wharf like I've been separated since before this I age. But I'm still a fucking Mandalorian and fucking try and stop me. Mm -hmm. Or in worst case, still a fucking Klingon. I want a Klingon Mandalorian. I know it's like literally not possible. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it? It'll happen. Eventually. You'll probably be dead. But it'll be a last grasp somewhere in the far future when both these franchises are needing to make some money still. I mean, I am a leather <laughs> worker who is making... A leather armor based off both of those as we speak so it might just happen when i get bored oh well, <laughs> that works i mean zach's drunk and mixing armors together look it's a klingon warrior a kling delorean <laughs> <laughs> look the other option is manon and that is not better mandling on <laughs> mandling on <laughs> It just sounds like something out of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang at this right? point. Uh, chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mandaling on. I don't know. I'm just becoming increasingly happy for some reason that I have Mudhorn Signet on my head. Yeah, you bought us those Mudhorn things and you showed it, you put it on your hat. And I'm like, God damn it, that's brilliant. I need to do that. Uh, people have started <laughs> buying me or just gifting me random Mandalorian things. Like one of our friends gave uh, Anya, who was on mm. our Your Faves Problematic, gave me a Mandalorian patch that she found. People were like, oh, you would like this. Like, you guys are right. I <laughs> this do like way. this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> I, yeah, Basilisk Wardroid. That's all I want to see. I'm, that's all I have to say on the Mandalorian, I think, too. <laughs> I can't think anything else other than I really want to... I just want those new episodes to be here now so I can stop wondering what they're going to tell us and just 
well, get told. For us, it'll be a little less than two weeks. For you listening to this show, it'll be a little under a week. Four days. Four days. Uh, you'll know exactly what I will be doing that night. If I'm, uh, <laughs> I think I get off work before CC does that day, so I'll have managed to make it that she didn't watch it without me. She did that all the time with Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be exciting. Um, do we have any recommendations this week? I ask, like that's a new thing? Yeah, I have a recommendation. Okay, good. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, so um, got turned on to this rapper like six days ago, and it's been almost all I've been listening to music-wise lately. So my recommendation is... A uh, rapper by the name of Rez Coast Grizz. I feel like there's a more accurate way to describe his style, but the way it was sold to me and the way I started listening to him is that he is a uh, native Post Malone. Mm-hmm. And as I was listening to him more and more, I'm like, this is dope. I like this. I got to find out more about this cat. And I looked him up the other day, and it turns out he's from Montana. Oh, sweet. From over on the Crow Agency. Uh, from Lodge Grass, currently living down in Arizona, but holy shit, fucking digging some Res Coast Grizz. Uh, that's my recommendation. Go check it out. His songs are all super short, so it's really easy to check out his shit. Nice. Um, mine is going to be, I'm just going to tie it directly to what we're doing here. It is going to be Star Wars The Bounty Hunter's Code by Daniel Wallace. It is one of these in-universe books like written like it's actually happened uh over on the art of war gaming we covered two of these books with the jedi path and the book of the sith this is the same thing but for like bounty hunters and mandalorians so the first half is just like the guild intro guide book and the second half is the ravings of the founder of the death watch he is Mm -hmm. unhinged and unpleasant but it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think I've mentioned it here before. I am a sucker for any kind of book that is written from an in-universe perspective. Like, Welcome to this technical manual. This will be everything you need to fly your Millennium Falcon. IT-1800 or something like that. <laughs> uh, it, it just is immersive in a way that I enjoy. Like that that style. Nice. You eat anything for... Uh... Um... It's fine if not, too. We did not, like, prep you for this. I mean, I was mostly just going to recommend the two things that I uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, Adventure Time, because it's a wonderful series. Mm -hmm. And uh, Season 2 of Umbrella Academy, because it was also very good. Like, even though they go, yeah, kind of like I said earlier, they go way off the book, but they take it in some really neat directions. Cool. Hell yeah. You mean? Thank you for uh, joining us as always. I mean, this is the third time here. Uh, Always good to be back. uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm sorry. I interrupt. You were like setting up for your spiel and I'm like, I'll talk now. No, actually, I was just going to say thanks as well. well, But then you beat me to it. (laughs) It's like, fine. I thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, and this was much more pleasant than having to put you through Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. Uh, no, a lot, a lot better homework this time. <laughs> uh, I can only imagine, and then we'll only be able to do it more as we get more Mando to talk about. Yeah. Okay. 
and hopefully more droids to talk about. Yes. Oh my gosh. Imagine, imagine all of the droids we'll have. You know, in the 80s, there was this Star Wars cartoon literally just called Star Wars Droids, and it was following, like, C-3PO and R2-D2. Just skip that entire, like, concept and shitty cartoon design and just have a show called Star Wars Droids that's, like, an anthology show about droids in Star Wars. It's like that Love, Death, and Robots thing on Netflix. Yes, but Star Wars. Wars. But Star Wars. (laughs) I would watch that. That would be a top seller. I agree. So... Did, did you is it is it time for my yeah spiel? i think it's time what's my spiel? oh yeah i guess you've only done this 42 times <laughs> um what are we oh yeah we already mentioned we're doing coco next week yeah, next week we're doing coco which i haven't seen yet so i'm pretty excited about and i have cried that's yeah how, that's I, I, have, I have been told to expect this uh, so next week we'll be talking about the movie Coco. In order to listen to us do that, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you can rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that'd be super helpful because the whole world is ran on algorithms and we want to be up in them and that helps in all of those ways. Uh, also, you know, tell people. We don't mind that. I don't mind that. Zach, no, I, mind I think that? I love that. I think that sounds fucking yeah. great. Tell, tell people about us. Uh, along with that, you can always head over to our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're over there, you can contact us through the website or by emailing us, generalnerdrepod at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you click the links up at the top, we are part of the Earfirm Podcast Network. Listen to the other shows over on the network. Listen to me talk about horror movies over on Fried Squirm. Zach? You can listen to me and my buddy Malark talk about war and war treatises and war gaming over on The Art of War Gaming. Uh, follow us on all the social medias. Just search for General Nerdery will be what pops up. We would love to hear from you guys. Uh, we promise Yui, plug we'll things. <laughs> Yui, plug your stuff. Um, I have an art page called Funhouse Designs on Facebook and Instagram. We should and say art- house is spelled H-A-U-S on that. Yeah. And Fawn is spelled S-A-U-N. And it'll be linked down in our show notes, Perfect. along with our recommendations in case you forget what we told you to go check out and make it easy on you guys. <laughs> um, am I forgetting anything? No, I, I, think hit I think that's good. I think we're all very tired today. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's time to go home. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. That's Huey. Three, <laughs> two, one. Dismissed. Dismissed.